Love Life, featuring your hosts, Rebecca Detman and Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves across my face. I feel the light. Welcome to Love Life. I'm Rebecca Detman. And I'm Jane Donovan. And of course, here we are on a Wednesday to talk all things love and life, relationships and happiness. And today we're going to be talking about women, but of course, you can't talk about women without talking about men as well. So there'll be stuff in there for the men. But this topic has been something of a sort of an area of passion for Jane, particularly in the last week. It's come through very strongly and, and you know, she felt very strongly that we needed to, to discuss women, how we help each other, how we hinder each other, the sisterhood, where it's at at the moment for spiritual open-minded people. Are we playing the game right? Are we doing the goddess game right? Are we supporting each other the way women used to in the village? Have we lost that? Have we broken down? Jane, what do you want to say to, to guide readers, listeners into this topic to help them better understand what it is that we're covering today? I feel that we have a responsibility as a woman When we've gone through an experience and we've gained clarity, that we've gained wisdom, insight, experience, it's our responsibility to share that and to share it with kindness and love. Now, I'm not talking about it means you have to be bold enough to get up on a stage and sprout your thing or write a book. I'm just talking about keep your eye out for somebody that is maybe younger than you, or that has not gone on a particular journey that you have but is now starting to go on that journey, grab that opportunity to share your wisdom, to support. Mm. You know, there is so much yuckiness that goes on with with competition, with which we'll get into all of the different shadow side of how women behave with other women when they're feeling insecure. But I want to really, through this podcast, hopefully encourage and empower women we have a very important role to play in each other's lives. Yeah. And it's time to step up. Women have a really long history of backstabbing, bitching, the cliques, the kind of getting into little posses and turning their backs on each other, a lot of competitiveness, a lot of game playing. And we learn it so young. It's almost innate. You know, little girls and little boys, little boys seem so straightforward and black and white and they just run around and burn it all off. And girls will sit and whisper and make stories and talk and and they sort of conjure up a lot more emotional stuff going on. I know that I'm being extremely cliched here. It's true though. You just speak to any school teacher. Any primary school or high school, it doesn't matter what age, you know, kindergarten, reception, they will all know about girls' play and girls' stuff. Mm. And they, and it, it, it is, it's somehow, it's just it's, there. It's something that's there. And it's definitely something we could be assisting with the role modeling of. So in my work with high schools, when we go in and talk to the girls, you know, we see the typical schoolyard situation. Think of year nine, worst year of high school, you've been there for one year, you think you know everything, you're the king of the school, all the big issues are starting to come out, the drugs, family breakdowns, the peer pressure, the feeling insecure, all of that's being played out right there. And what do the girls do? Most of the time, there's a lot of appearance of hanging around friends or being with friends, but true friendship is not really happening. There's a lot of, you know, I'm with her because she's good looking and she gets the guys or I'm with her because her family's got a pool and she always has the designer swimsuit and you know there's all of that going on now 
that's not really that different to when you fast forward into your 20s, 30s and 40s because we continue to play out a lot of that stuff at an adult level, you know. And we're going in and we're saying to these teenagers, just what Jane said about the sharing, these girls don't understand that everyone goes through pain. These girls all, every single one of them is insecure and is suffering and they all think they're doing it on their own. They're all convinced that they're the only one with the problem and none of them ever open their mouth and show vulnerability and there's that word. There's that word. Now, the biggest problem that I see is, of course, we don't any longer have villages to raise each other, to, to mature, to grow. We don't have our elders that are sitting down and sharing their wisdom. We don't have more experienced mothers teaching new mothers how to be mothers. We don't have role models of, of great, older, wiser, successful mm. couples that are teaching the young ones how to have a healthy relationship, etc., etc. And we've got to actually create this. Because we don't live in a village, we have to create our own village. We have don't have respect for our elders. We don't have respect for our midwives. We don't have we don't we pay and don't pay properly and undervalue our teachers. We don't have enough male teachers. And we've also lost all rites of passage. So in every Every traditional society in the world, girls and boys are taken at various stages of their development by trusted, wiser elders through what is required for them to get to the next stage of knowledge, to earn the next stage, to earn the next stage, you know. And whether it's um, tests of manhood, whether it's menstruation, any important milestones that human beings pass through to designate the chapters of their lives are greatly honoured and respected. And because we've lost all of that, there's a lot of us just wandering around in the wilderness, like lost at sea, not really knowing what stage of life we should be in, how we're going at it, where the information is that we might need. We've got kids ringing hotlines because they need help. They, don't, they can't even ask mum and dad. They don't want to ask their teachers. Their friends are no good. We've got boys raising boys in gangs who don't have father figures because all their dads are in jails and they've all got single mums. They're looking to television for their role models. You know, what do we do in these sorts of situations where our kids are being raised by television and the internet? Okay, well, we can start with our own network. So we start by grabbing our own people that we are coming across, whether it's through the workforce, whether it's socially, whether it's through our family, and we start to have the important conversations. And what are those important conversations? They are your truth of sharing of wisdom through the vulnerability of what you have experienced in your past. Through this vulnerability, you share your story, but because you have moved through it and you are wiser and you've got healthier boundaries, there's not a vulnerability of somebody maliciously using this information against you. You are, if we use the word superior in this particular incident. So you use that story to show your vulnerability and share that with another. And I'll bet my last dollar that that person, if they really are connecting to you, will say, I thought I was the only one. I don't care what the topic is. Every time I hear that, mm. it just highlights to me that we need to stamp out the fact that everybody believes they are the only one going through this. Absolutely. Look, vulnerability is so powerful and we don't share enough. And that's why we actually go to television and we look to reality TV and things because, you know, you'll, you'll actually see people showing their true selves sometimes in a way that we've shut down a little bit in real life. You know, you've got families that are very cold. You've got parents who don't do a lot of emotional talk. They don't talk to their children. They don't talk to each other. There's a lot of coldness going on. Then when I'm going to the schools and I'm getting these young girls, you know, 13, 14, 15-year-old girls, and they're telling me just what Jane said. They're saying things like, you know, mum doesn't listen to me. I can't talk to my brother. 
um, I don't see my dad, I don't talk to my dad, or I, I don't feel listened to, I don't feel heard. And again, it's that I'm alone, I'm alone, it's only me. And then when they we go around in circles and we all share our stories and we make the girls get into a very uncomfortable place, again, human beings aren't used to having to sit in an open, vulnerable, you know, emotionally vulnerable sharing position. And when we get them to that place of trust where they're able to do it, they share what's going on in their lives that's yuck. They go around the circle and they see every girl in the schoolyard sharing it, even the most popular one, even the one that's always got the boyfriends, you know, even the one that gets the A pluses. They realize that everyone has a story and everyone's going through something too. Great. So what we you what we want you to take from that is the fact that if you do choose to identify that somebody is struggling in some area that you've actually had the same problem but you've managed to overcome it and you feel inclined to share your wisdom, the chances are that this person is going to be incredibly grateful and well-received, like the information is going to be well-received. So before we get into what types of wisdom we can be sharing, what if we look at how can you protect yourself while still sharing vulnerability from people who are not receptive and are wanting to play that put-down game to make themselves feel better? Well, you're definitely going to be picking your situation. Yes. And I'm thinking a lot of one-on-ones here. That's exactly what I was going to say. One-on-one is the key. And then as you do start this one-on-one, you'll find that if you're in an area, for example, on the weekend I was um, at the drinks area, like a little cocktail party, a very casual backyard cocktail party. And was sitting down and having a very deep one-on-one with a new mum. And then slowly these other people just sort of gravitated over and they joined in. And we ended up with a goddess circle. We ended up with beautiful five women that were all sharing their stories that had all been mothers of various age children, but they got through the hard yards of the younger years. And they were all sharing their beautiful wisdom of me too stories that they'd got through to this beautiful young mum who burst into tears and was so grateful that she thought, it was just her. And it's so important that we say, no, this is normal. This is normal to experience this. Here's the tools that I use. Everyone's going to have different tools to overcome this problem. But just knowing that you're not alone, just knowing that this is normal is half the battle pro, uh, half the battle solved. Yeah. So you've got to be starting with the one-on-one because if you risk doing it in a group setting, you're going to risk that there'll be some people that are not prepared to show their vulnerability, and particularly if they are feeling incredibly insecure, they can actually use this opportunity to play the one-upmanship where they will passively do some passive-aggressive behavior where they'll turn around and go, oh, really? You've got that problem? Oh. Yeah. As though they've never had that problem before in their life, and the chances are they have. So that's what people are wanting to avoid is that scenario. That's their fear that stops people from sharing their wisdom with another. So start gently with one-on-ones. And, you know, I'm not talking about projecting your stuff and becoming the latest Jehovah Witness that's knocking on your door and projecting their belief system on another. It is just seeing when someone's a little bit broken, a little bit vulnerable, a little bit not coping, and just going up very gently and just saying, how are you going? And, you know, with this case with beautiful babies, it was, you know, I bet you haven't had any date time with your partner. And it's talking about the real conversations such as most women, I think when they've got young children, probably at some point want to stab their partner because of the inequality of the workload that is completely natural in 99% of relationships. Now, we don't talk about that. And so what happens? Relationships end. Women get very angry and bitter 
because the workload is so massive. Dr. Phil says that he believes the raising of a child by a mother, the workload that they do is the equivalent of two full-time jobs. Then he said, then you add on some more hours for housekeeping. Then you add on more hours if they've got a part-time job or maybe they've got a full-time job and you're talking serious imbalance. And this is not man bashing. This is how society is in that I think most mothers, not all, but most mothers would not want to swap the role of motherhood for fatherhood. Well, the fact is the role of motherhood worked for a very, very long time in history because the village raised the child. Everyone in the street knew each other. You know, in Asia, you've got families all living in the same building, yeah, grandparents, three or four generations. generations. So Italy, you, um, European are the same. That's right. So you want to leave that child and go and stir the soup or go down the street and talk to the lady over the fence or go and get something done in the village. Well, grandpa will look after her, older sister will look after her, auntie will look after her, cousin will look after her. There's always somebody there. And you're not as tired as if you are if you're completely isolated, having to do it all yourself, you know, with these expensive childcare drop-offs and pickups and all this sort of these, these fake support structures we need to implement with complete strangers we've never met before to look after our own children. Yeah, so most women, their, their inherent uh, desire is that they want to mother this child and they want to be doing it all, that there is a bit of it's not fair. Now, I think just having the conversation of, you know what, most women feel it's not fair and you kind of just have to accept that. Now, knowing that means that you don't now have to have a panic of my relationship's in trouble because I'm starting to hate my husband because I'm resenting the fact that I seem to be doing so much more than he is. Um, I'm resenting the fact that he's sleeping through the night and saying, well, the baby slept through the night when the reality was, no, he slept through the night while you got up three times through the night to the baby. You know, and I'm not, this is not man bashing. So please don't misinterpret what I am saying here. What I'm saying is that this is a natural occurrence that happens in most relationships when new babies are brought into the family. And if you acknowledge that this is normal and you talk to good girlfriends about how they got through this period so that ultimately you do get this beautiful relationship back on track and you do love your husband and you're not resenting him, that's what I'm talking about, real authentic stories where we are sharing the truth. You know, some of the best conversations I had as a young mum was when I, I went and talked to a grandmother. It was my friend's mother. She's in her 80s and she had nine children. And, wow. I, and I talked to her and I said, how did you do it? You know, I can hardly survive with one or two. Um, and again, she pointed out that the world was a very different place for a start. You know, she said, you know, back in the day, she had a lady come and do her ironing. A man would drop off the bread. A man would come with the milk. They'd bring groceries around. It, it was a, it was slightly a different, more supportive culture from that respect. And also, of course, there was a lot more of the communal village stuff that, that we're talking about. But my point here is, you know how much we shun elders in this society and, and elders could be anyone over 45. Like, you know, we're not even necessarily talking the 70s and 80s, but they are the ones who've lived it. They've been through depressions. They've been through wars. They've been through marriages. They've been through bankruptcies. They've been through everything that you can think of. And so don't be so ignorant running around in, in your own life that you forget that the very help that you may need may just be from that old lady on the park bench or spending some time in a nursing home or talking to some people in your family you don't often spend a lot of time with who are a bit older than you. And don't be afraid to ask them, you know, not grilling them, not, you know, not making them suspicious like, why do you want to know? But like, just ask them, you know. What's your wisdom that you can share? We really want to look at sharing in this culture a little bit more because for some reason we've gotten this idea that we all have to battle on, like soldier on alone in this emotional wasteland, like this wilderness of 
doing it alone because we're proving what? We're strong. We can have it all. Is this feminism? I don't know. We're, we're capable. We can survive. I can multitask. The pressure for appearances is ridiculous. It is. And the Alpha Female you know, podcast episode that we did where women are trying to have their cake and eat it to her and prove it to the world and prove it to their father and prove it to, the, to men or to women or to not even to themselves. To themselves yeah, the that's time. right. They're doing it for all these external validation reasons and they're really, really suffering. And at the same time, they're trampling on other women and we're all being bitches to each other. And why? Why? When we come from a tradition of goddesshood, the goddess circle, you know, the druids in the grove, the witches that gather around, and we actually support each other with our wisdom and our magic and our spellmaking. These are metaphors, you understand, for nurturing, support, circles community togetherness one of the most beautiful things that comes when you really connect to your goddess energy and you really share your wisdom with another the gift actually isn't so much in what's been given to the other person in their sense of relief or their being able to take on some new ways of feeling or thinking or doing things to overcome their challenges it's actually this beautiful sense within you of having the ability to be able to do this. And I watched these women as they all slowly opened up. I felt a bit like Oprah at the time. It was quite cute. You know, all these women really opening up about their truth. And I could tell I don't think they've ever spoken their truth on this particular topic before. And most of them had children that were, you know, 15, 16, 17 years old. So we're talking a lot of years, a lot of wisdom. And they glowed. And they felt so good about themselves. This is socializing. This is having great conversations. Instead of sitting around and bitching about somebody at the local tennis club or somebody's at the soccer kid's mother that was carrying on, you know, like these are real conversations that enrich our lives on every level, whether you're the sharer or the receiver or the onlooker or you are participating in some way. It is so rich for your soul. So what do you think, Beck, are some of the important conversations that are milestones in women's lives that we can be looking out for to be helping helping have these open conversations. So we've identified that we've got, um, you know, childhood, having babies and early, early young children is very important to start supporting. What about marriage? What about when women enter a marriage and then enter into cohabitating or they decide to live together in a relationship, could we not be sharing wisdom of the different stages that you go through and what is normal in most people and how they've overcome the challenges of cohabitating with somebody? Absolutely. Look, it's the mother and daughter bond. And I think that sometimes what happens when women have themselves have either had not a great upbringing, maybe they fell into marriage and babies really young, which often happens with with the previous generation where women were still a little bit shuffled into traditional roles. They never got the chance to find themselves and they've still got a lot of insecurity issues. So when they come to be the mother, they then their daughter comes along and a full circle cycle begins again where they are living vicariously through that child and the daughter threatens or challenges them in some way or brings up all of, like pushes their buttons because they see their younger, more vulnerable self in their little girl and it brings up a lot of stuff. So you see mothers who manipulate and are passive aggressive with daughters. You see, you know, like the, um, 
uh, the beauty queen mums like the state mums, oh, the pageant toddlers and tiaras. You see, oh, you see those kinds of child abuse mothers. I know, and you see them. Well, you know, to a lesser extent, you see the mothers who they always taking their daughter out to be groomed. She's got to have the right bag. Oh, get your hair done. I'll pay for it. Get your shoes. You got to have these kind of clothes. You're going to this kind of school. Like that's another mm. extent of it. Is the mother's insecurities being all channeled and projected down through the children, mm-hmm. and these children absolutely are not being heard, and the mothers are not showing the vulnerability or the emotional sharing. And I think so much more forgiveness and understanding would be happening in our society in general. You know, it's so much easier to understand and have compassion for a perpetrator if only that perpetrator would stop and show some vulnerability and say, Do you know what, the reason I acted so awfully is because. Da, 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 da. I felt yes. this way. I've lived this. Yes. Uh, this is my experience. I'm being bullied at work. I'm taking out at home. Whatever's going on. Yeah. So we would have greater compassion, wouldn't we? We would. I think it's important also to just remind people too that if you know if you haven't got a beautiful relationship with your mother, or if your mother's not a very wise person that has learnt and has wisdom to share, you have your family that you are biologically connected to. But then you've got your real family, yeah. and that's the people you choose in your life. Yeah, and uh, and so you know, I've got a lot of single friends that have actually chosen really wisely, um, and said, "This is my family. These are the people that are sharing their wisdom, that are helping me through my journey in life." This, I'm so glad you just touched on this because I only was just counselling two different girls last week on this topic. I can name five girls off the top of my head. All who have either cut out their mother or or are in the process of actually cutting out their mother permanently, completely right. ostracizing. All the girls had very traumatic childhoods from mothers who played out a lot of toxic dramas. Everything right. from heroin addictions through to running off with pedophiles, deserting children, master manipulators, like awful right. women. And each of these girls has gone on a deep journey of self-work. Each of them is very spiritual and has done a lot of work on themselves. They've, And like I said, they've all reached this point where they're actually doing what James just talked about, choosing their own family. So there's a lot of guilt and there's a lot of weirdness that comes with these sorts of decisions because, of course, you turn on the Brady, sorry, the television, you've got the Brady Bunch. Like society is very conditioned to be 2.5 kids, nuclear family, white picket fence, everything's fine. We don't, we don't ostracize family. Family, you know, thicker than, what is it, blood's thicker than water. We've got all these beliefs around family. And I'm actually giving you permission if you're one of these people listening now to let it go. If you feel that you've played out a certain karmic chapter with a family member and they are just nothing but toxic, you've done the work and you're finished, you can absolutely walk away and feel no guilt about that ever. You know, the universe is all about doors shutting and doors opening. So one of these girls, uh, she lives in a share house and she and her housemates have weekly housemate dinner together, which is like family Beautiful. to each other. So, you know, some people have family dinners. She has a housemate dinner. This is where I want people to start to gather their own village. You hand select your village. Let's get the village happening. And it can be happening. We don't have to be living in a caravan park or in a village to actually make this work. We just have to hand select the good people around you. And I want people to really look at elders. You know, I love that you touched on that, Beck, because the wisdom there, you know, and and this is a two-way thing too is that there are a lot of older people that know they've got the wisdom but they know they're not respected. They know that their wisdom is not required or desired or wanted. Just imagine how fantastic they're going to feel, how worthy they're going to feel in their older age when along comes someone who says, 
I'm having difficulty with this area of my life. How did you overcome this when you were my age? That's right. You know, great, powerful question. Our older people are, you know, as we know, they're really shut off and, and shuffled out into the nursing homes or into the invisible margins of society. And even the politicians and everyone, we just don't really pay them much lip service. We don't, we don't pay them much attention at all. And I think that that's an important rejoining of the, the umbilical cords, the threads, the strings of weaving back together society. And, you know, by the same token, I run a weekly women's group. Sorry, it's a monthly women's group. And it's exactly for the reason that we're talking about. It's that women need to come together in a very safe space and they need to learn to share. And sometimes I need to really push them because even though it is a the spiritual women and it's a, it's a safe circle, it's very hard for us to, you know, to cry in front of a group of strangers, to tell the truth about what's really going on. But when it happens, how powerful is it? And one of the women said to me, Rebecca, would you mind if I brought my daughter? She's only 15. Now, all the women in the group are definitely about late 20s upward or mid-20s upwards. I said, absolutely. So this girl's come. She's now come three times. And I love that all ages are now beginning to be represented in this women's circle. The girl's too scared to speak up because she feels everyone's older and wiser than her. But, oh, my God, the children are our teachers. They are. I was about to say exactly that. Absolutely. She she doesn't understand yet that because, again, we live in a society that might not – you know, give give the young that kind of respect either and say your voice is just as valid as an 87-year-old's voice, as, as valid as a 50-year-old CEO businessman's voice. Everybody's voice here carries the same weight and everyone's got something to contribute. Beautiful. Now, that's what's your um, circle called? Aurora Circle. So if you're in Adelaide, you mm, can get that off Rebecca's along, website. Please. And if you're in another state and you like the idea of doing something like this, get in touch with Beck and, um, you know, she can maybe help you to start setting one up yeah. in another state and linking you in with uh, with some good wise people because yes. it's a beautiful form and it's very important so that's another way of, of gathering a village together it is i also feel there's some other topics that are really important to women um menopause um a lot of marriage breakdowns you know the journey of post-marriage you know having wisdom shared there what about caring for elderly parents people that can share wisdom there um I mean, not, tell the metaphor about the um the menopause that was it taught to you by the aboriginal women in yeah it was uluru? Yeah, in uluru was that um you will stop bleeding when you have reached a point in your life that you can hold all the wisdom within now how's that that's absolutely beautiful and we view it as westerners as losing youth Yes. Well, I say celebrate it yes. because every grey hair that I get, I feel so happy. Like, see, there's something else I just learned. Yes. I collect them like pearls of wisdom, like that. It's all signs of wisdom. It is. Wisdom gathering. I know. We'll, we'll get on our soapbox one day and make sure that we change <laughs> the definition of what true beauty is. Yeah. It's the wrinkles, it's the grey hairs, it's the sparkly eyes that just know that have lived so much. It's when you're actually communicating more of a vibration or an essence than a, you know, you're just you're just communicating an essence. We need to talk about men. Yes, we do. And we need to talk about how men fit into this topic today. Okay, look, I think it's really important that men simply understand. Look, look it's no great secret that most men will say women are so complex. Yes, we are. We absolutely are. We can't help it. It is so important. <laughs> so if, it, if you're a guy listening and you've got females that are important in your life, 
help them to gather other good women around them. I cannot emphasize that enough. And in fact, it's interesting that when I, you know, as a matchmaker, when I see couples form and then he gets a job opportunity or career opportunity in another state or, or country and he takes her away from her tribe, support system. her support system's gone. That's a tough, tough journey. So I always advise them the first thing, the most important thing that needs to happen in that new location is you've got to help her to build her tribe again. And one of the most dangerous and manipulative types of relationships women can find themselves in with a man are the men that don't allow them to have female friends or, or ge- very gently downplay their going out or their mink because the men are very threatened by it. Oh, I don't want you out with your single girlfriends or yeah. I don't want you out in the town with her or what do you have to go out late with her for? Why can't I come? Or, you know, that kind of control yes. and stuff. And, you know, in addition to that, I always get a real red flag when I meet a girl who tells me she doesn't really have any close female friends. Mm. That's such a red flag mm. to me mm. that there's some very big toxic dramas that, that it's basically like just be careful because if you're going to get to know a female like that, pretty soon she's going to be gathering evidence, as Jane would say, that all women can't be trusted or something like That's that, right. and she's going to sabotage that relationship with you damn fast. That's right, absolutely. It's going to be very toxic. Yeah. That's going to be painful, that one. That's going to have a sting. So I think for the guys, it's just really important for you to understand how in- inherently important it is for women to have their female tribes. So if you find that you know in your relationship that things are not just that great, perfect scenario is to actually set her up to go out on a girl's night or to have some of her girlfriends around for afternoon tea or a lunch where she can be freely connecting with these women and gathering their their wisdom and their support and their love. Women need women so much in their life. That's probably as simple as it is. That's the most important thing I could say to a man is don't, in, don't interfere with the sisterhood. Don't, Do not interfere with the sisterhood. Don't play women <laughs> off against each other either. And, and no. for women, don't do the same thing we are really supposed to be here for each other not against each other and you're making your own life harder than it needs to be if you're in the self-destructive that's right yeah that's right um look as usual i could just keep talking but we're going to stop now because that's the end of our half hour please join us again on the couch next wednesday for another free half hour love life podcast with me rebecca and and i'm jane and we hope you have a fabulous week you can check us out on facebook.com forward slash love life show that's all one word love to have you follow us love to have your comments have an amazing week connecting with goddesses everywhere Life is perfect, I'm not trying, it's just happening, and it's a beautiful day.